0: as we look at uh, our problems in life from, from the book of Job. Lord, I Have a Problem is the name of this series, and we're taking a look at our third message. The first one is uh, just a general look at problems. We looked at a few weeks ago, and then we looked at words, wisdom, and the will of God and talked about the words that God would have for us, the wisdom he would have, and then also uh, you know the words of other people, sometimes not so great. Uh, but uh, meant well, maybe. And then uh, the will of God as we go through our problems. And today we're going to go a little further, probe a little further into putting our uh, problems into perspective. And we'll be looking from Job and some other places in both Old and New Testament this morning. And so if you'll join me in chapter one, the Bible tells us in chapter 14, verse one, a man that is born a woman is few of days and full of trouble. And Job uh, as he made, those, uh, made that statement there in, in Job 14, verse 1, we see where he went through a great deal of trouble in his life. And so in um, chapter 1, if you'll go with me to verse uh, 21, we're going to look today at putting our problems in perspective. <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 21, and in fact, we'll look at verse 21 and 22. Um, actually back up verse 20, but 21 is our key verse. Verse 20, then Job arose and rent his mantle. He tore the, uh, basically a robe that he was wearing. This was a sign of humility, a sign of mourning. Shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshiped. After all that bad news he received, the first response he had was to worship. Verse 21, then, then, uh, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. For the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord, verse 22. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Look over with me to chapter 2, in verse 9 and verse 10. So um, all that had happened to him, and then chapter 2, Satan again appears before the Lord, and he says, um, let me have another chance at him. And the Lord gave him permission to do do things to Job. Um, We talked about that in the first message, but look at verse 9 and 10. Then said his wife unto him, Job's wife, Dost thou still retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job uh, did not Job sin with his lips. And so uh, there's his response when, um, first, uh, when, the, when everything happened in chapter 1 was to worship. And then his response when his wife made that statement, likely out of desperation or, or sorrow for Job, um, that, that whatever her motive was, he said, "Shall we receive good at God's hand and not evil?" And evil doesn't mean sin all the time. Sometimes it does, but evil can mean calamity. It can mean bad circumstances, um, not necessarily sin. Uh, and so he said, "Shall we not receive bad things as well? Um, no matter what we go through in life." And again, we talked about that in the first message about why problems come our way. But we're gonna we're gonna dig a little deeper. Uh, today, drill down a little bit more, and look at putting our problems in perspective as we look at this. So this outline's not really like a real pretty outline. It's not like a a, a alliterated one. In fact, the first point of this is a a sentence, and it's a little bit long, but um, I couldn't really condense it any better than this. Number one, the first thing in putting our problems in perspective, number one, oftentimes problems bring greater suffering that happens within us more than what actually happens to us. I'll say that again. Oftentimes, problems bring greater suffering that happens within us more than what actually happens to us. There are times in life where we're going through a hard time, going through a problem, and sometimes uh, as we go through that, we have all these things in our mind and heart we have to deal with. There are emotions that we deal with. There are thoughts, uh, many many times very negative. We'll get to that today. Uh, Thoughts that come into our mind, things that... That uh, thoughts that come our way, some of them directly from our enemy, uh, but thoughts that come in our way. So oftentimes problems bring greater suffering um, that happens within us more than what actually happens to us. Obviously, many of the problems we face that happen to us, we can't control them. We've been talking about that in in the other two messages of this series that we obviously can't control them when they come our way. Uh, Even problems that we face Uh, that are of our own making. We can't control how they're going to develop or how they will end or the outcome of those problems for that matter. But for certain, the problems we face affect our thinking, uh, and our thinking will affect how we see our problems. Um, Will doubt set in? Uh, Will uh, fear set in uh, as we face those problems? How we put them in perspective and how we seek for answers for our problems, those are all part of that. So one of the ways we must face our problems, any problem, no matter how it started, uh, why it's taking place or uh, is, is simply how to respond to that in a way that we look at it. How, how do we respond to it and how we look at it? And that's what we're spending a little time at today. So how we put it in perspective. In doing so, there's some very important things to remember that uh, put, these pro- put our problems in perspective, however big they may be. From time to time, they'll fall into three basic categories. Don't you love threes? We'll make it simple this way. Things that are in my control, things that are out of my control, and things that only the Lord can control. Of course, things the Lord can control, we can't anyway, but um, there are things that are in our control when we go through problems, things that are out of our control, then things that only the Lord can control. For one thing, things that are in my control, let's look at those for a moment. For one thing, there is our attitude, our attitude towards a problem. What, how am I facing this problem? Do others see a negative attitude in me as I'm facing this problem? Uh, am I trying to be Christ like in the way I face this? Will I have the attitude of becoming better through it all or bitter because of it all? Um, my attitude as I go into this, as I face this problem, people see that in our lives. People see and, and notice our attitude about things, and um, sometimes that speaks louder than our words. And so, what is my attitude? It's something I can control. I can control that. Um, there are times we may seem like we can't, but we can control that. Our thoughts, simply, as we've said, how do I see this problem? Do I see this as something that, you know, I can't get through this no matter what I do and leave I and everything and leave the Lord out of it? How am I going to get through this problem? How do I see this problem? Is it too big? Is it is it something that I know I can't do on my own? Is it something that when I see the problem, I'm just consumed with it? This morning, we looked at it, and I'll, I'll have it posted hopefully later today if you'd like to go listen to it, but in Sunday school, we looked at the... Uh, the children of Israel, um, before they went into the wilderness, they had this great promise from God. I want you to go into the promised land. Moses, I want you to uh, to choose out 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Go in and look at the land. I'm going to give you the land, but go in and check it out. Uh, now, when you go in, there are going to be enemies there. Um, you go in, go in and check out what that's like. See what the fruit of the land's like. So they came back, and of the 12 that went... 10 of those 12 brought back a negative evil report. Even though God had already told them, go in and do it. I want you to go in and take it. I want you to take the land. And they didn't believe God. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, did. Well, you know how the story goes. They did not enter the promised land. In fact, God told them that a whole generation from 20 and upward would die within the 40 years of going through the wilderness. First of all, they didn't enter the land as they were supposed to. Second of all, they wandered in the wilderness because they didn't. And so, uh, how do I see this problem? Do I, as the children of Israel, see all the enemy and think that's too big? Or do I, like Joshua and Caleb, believe God? We can go into the land. And by the way, you find out later, as, as, a, as a passage goes by, that the only two that did not die were their generation that went into the promised land were Joshua and Caleb. They went into the promised land where the others died out. They did not. And so, how do I see this problem? Am I looking at it from trusting God in faith Am I looking at it and seeing the problem in its reality and realize that God is much bigger than my problem? Glass. This is a visual illustration. You have to vote this morning, okay? You got three choices, and I want everybody to participate. All you got to do is raise your hand. You don't have to say anything. I want everybody to participate. I want you to vote. This glass is obviously empty, right? There's nothing in the glass, okay? So looking at this glass... And realizing that it's empty, you you use it to drink liquid, right? Water or or Pepsi, something like milk, something like that, you drink from the glass, right? Okay, this glass is empty. So here is a glass that has water roughly the halfway mark. I got Leon to ask me, is this halfway? He said, yeah, it looks halfway to me, so we're going to take Leon's word. So to the halfway mark, water is in this glass to the halfway mark, right? How many, looking at this glass, would say the glass is half empty? You've got to vote. How many would say half empty? Okay, keep your hands up just for a second. I want to look. Everybody else is looking at you too, so okay. How many would say that this glass is half full? Wow, you're outnumbered, half emptiers. Okay, here's your third choice. You've already voted. How many of you would say it depends? (laughs) Nobody would say it depends. It depends. You know why? This is why. If I take, where did I put that thing? If I take an empty glass and there's water halfway in it because I poured water halfway, then it is half full. If this glass was completely full and I drank it down to the halfway mark that Leon said was halfway, I drank it down to there, it's half empty. So when we look at problems in life, sometimes, excuse me, I didn't break it, honey, I promise. Sometimes, that was two of our glasses. Sometimes in life, problems are that way. How are we looking at that problem? In Job chapter 1 verse 21, he worshiped. In Job chapter 2 verse 10, shall we not receive uh, evil as well as good from the hand of God? God gives that. So how do we look at that? Our thoughts. And we're going to come back to that actually at the end a little bit more and make this more practical. So am I looking for a solution? Then the glass is half full. Am I consumed by the problem? Am I blaming other people or all these negative things that can happen? Then the glass is half empty. My actions and my reactions. That's something else that that we're responsible for. We can control. Am I responding to this in anger? It goes back to our attitude, goes back to our thoughts. Or am I letting the Lord keep me calm and letting him teach me to be patient or teach me something through this? Will this make me stronger in my prayer life? Learning to pray more often, more specifically, and in greater faith. Will this cause me to get deeper in God's word? Looking for promises to claim, steps of action to take, a greater assurance. I can count on God's absolute truth. As someone well said, you cannot break God's promises by standing on them. I like that. That's a great way to put it. So then there are things that are out of our control. We can't control the words and opinions of others. We can't control what other people think as we're going through a problem. We can't control that. Or even their words. We can't control that. One of the greatest markers of spiritual growth in your life is when you realize you can't control what people say or think about you. Besides, the opinions of others can change like March weather in Georgia. (laughs) It can change. They can change really quick. And so you can't control that. That's something out of your control. The actions and reactions of others, just kind of following along with that. They may pat you on the back. They may stab you in the back. They may give you a shoulder to lean on. They may give you a cold shoulder. You cannot control their reactions or their, or their actions or their reactions. And some sometimes you can't predict them. There's no way to predict them. You can't control that. You can't control the past. You can't control what happened. When he he praised and worshipped God right there, he can't control everything. He couldn't control all that destruction and his children being killed. He couldn't destroy that, Uh, uh, couldn't couldn't, uh, change that destruction. Job couldn't do that. There was no way to change that. And so the past you cannot change. Now let's look at some things that only God can control. They're out of our control, but thank God only he can control those. Number one, that's our future. He can control our future. None of us have the ability to look into the future. None of us can. We can, we can kind of predict things and think how things may go. Um, if we did, it would probably frighten us, and we probably wouldn't want to go ahead and go forward. It would frighten us, but God can. He knows the future. He's already there. That's what he told Moses. He said, tell them, I am that I am have sent you, not I was, not I will be, I am. He's present tense, always, always has been, always will be. And so he is already in our future but he's in our present to take us there. So we can't control that. Only God can control our future. Number two, only God can control how long a problem will last. The problems we deal with, uh, he can end it anytime he wants to, anytime he sees fit, and he will not end it until he sees fit. We can't control that. He knows how long it will last. If we know the Lord is our Savior and we belong to him, he's working all these things together for good. We'll come back to that. He's working all this. Also the outcome of our problems. We can't also, we can't control that. How our problem will, will as we make it through it, your problems may end up greater blessings than you would have even guessed or that you could have planned. Maybe even greater. Half full, remember? Um, he knows He's going to grow and mature you into what He wants you to become. He's working to do that. He does that. That's the way He works. Second of all, not only, and I know our first point was long, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, read it one more time. Oftentimes problems bring greater suffering that happens within us more than what actually happens to us. Second of all, a little shorter in the outline, learn how to ask the right questions as you go through a problem. Rather than, how do I get out of this? Lord, what will I get out of this? What are you going to do in my life through this? What, Lord, what are you teaching me? through this? How will I grow through this? Job had no idea of the things that would happen to him. And then when you reach the end of the book, chapter 42, we see where Job, uh, God greatly blesses Job and gives him way more than he had before. But he had no way of knowing that. And he went through these problems and trials that he dealt with until as God worked with him. And in doing so, God began to, 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 um, weed through things in his life. And he did it by asking questions. We get to chapter 38. Wow, that's an incredible chapter where he asked Job, he says, where were you when I put all this universe into existence? Where were you? Um, I wasn't even thought of yet. No, that's what I'm telling you, Job. I, I am bigger than you, Job. And so ask the right questions. Lord, show me, what are you teaching me? how do I grow through this? What are you doing uh, in my life? What are you going to do for me as I get through this? What are you going to do in my life? Number three, that was a short point, but number three, this is a little bit longer. God will give us a new start. One of my favorite passages in Job is in chapter 14. Job 14. As we get through that problem, sometimes we'll There may be a lot of negative things that happen during that problem. There may be a lot of pain we endure. Job did. He went through a lot of heartache and a lot of sorrow and loss. But Job 14, verse 7 to 9, he is... I love this passage here because whatever we go through, at some point, God's going to give us a new start in our life. Job 14, verse 7. For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down that it will sprout again. The tender branch thereof will, will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. Just the scent of water. So water would, would cause those boughs on that, that boughs you boughs, everyone pronounce it, on the plant to be able to flourish again. And he said there's hope of a tree, even if it's cut down. So God will give us a new start in our life at some point as we make it through that problem. Uh, how, how many times do you wish you go back and do things over? All of us do. We should go back and talk. Sometimes I wish I could go back and talk to my uh, younger self and talk, uh, uh, talk myself into realizing something. But there's, there's not a do-over. You have to decide, am I going to be a pr- prisoner of my circumstances or am I going to trust God when he says what he will do that only he can do? Instead of focusing, looking at Job's example as he faced this and he worshiped and he re- told his wife, look, we receive good things as well as bad things from the hand of God. Instead of focusing on what you want, what you once had in life or what you never got in life, remember the blessings now. Pastor, Remember, past is something we can't change. No matter what, no matter how much we'd like to. Of course there's some things that we'd change if we could. All of us would. But think of the things that you're glad you have and the things that, are happened or that happen now that are such a blessing in your life. Job trusted and worshiped the Lord when he had everything. Job trusted and worshiped the Lord after he lost everything. He realized that things are a blessing, but things can come and go. And that's very true for you and just as true today. And that's why the Apostle Paul in the New Testament more than once, he warns about covetousness. He said covetousness is idolatry because we put our trust in things sometimes more than we do in our Savior, more than we do in our God. And so he, he worshiped when he had everything, but he also worshiped after he had lost everything. We see that from his life. Number four, let's see the blessing of the lessons he learned. Chapter 5 and verse number 17. And then there's another reference I'll read, or you could turn there if you want to. But look at chapter 5, verse 17. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. This is repeated also in a couple of places, one of which is over in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, where the Bible says in Hebrews 12 this very same thing that happy is the, the child of God who receives correction, chastening from the Lord's hand. Notice that's not punishment, that's chastening. In fact, it says that he chastens every child whom he receives. That's also found in Proverbs. But he says that also in Hebrews that uh, chapter 12, he chastens every son. He chastens everyone whom he receives. And the reason he does, according to Hebrews 12, is to bring forth, to yield forth, just like fruit yields from a tree or vegetables yield from a, from a plant, to yield and bring forth righteousness, fruit of, of uh, righteousness in our life, and peace in our life, and so he says there. He says, "Happy is the man whom God correcteth." Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. May not be happy while He's chastening us, but happy to know that He's chastening us for His purposes. Look at verse eighteen: For He maketh sore, and He bindeth up; He woundeth, His hands make whole. And so um, the God who loves us chastens us sometimes. We think, why does he do that? I've not done anything wrong. You it's not a matter of doing anything wrong. It's a reminder of who he is, a reminder that he wants us to yield that fruit of righteousness that it talks about in Hebrews 12, and to realize that he's doing something in our life. He's not doing to be mean. He's not doing to be horrible, but he's doing something in our life that only he knows about. Job 23.10 is a very similar verse. I love this passage. And he gives us this promise. This is just a little over, uh, chapter 2, over halfway in the book of Job. And he still had plenty to go through with the counsel of his friends and so forth. But he says this in verse 10 of chapter 23. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Number four is the blessing of lessons learned. He knows the way that I take, Job says. The Lord does. And when he's tried me, I will come forth like gold. Gold, when it's refined in a fire, in a furnace, it has to be heated very hot, way past the boiling point. It has to be heated very hot. And as it does, it bubbles. And as gold is being heated and refined, up to the top of it comes all this stuff that's not gold. Stuff that's dross that's in there, they call it. And so when that comes to the top, the refiner will take uh, and scoop that dross away with with an instrument, get it off of there where it's continuing, that heat continues to refine that gold. And from what I've studied and read, what they would tell refiners is, you know it's pure when you can look in and you can see a perfect reflection of your face. He's refining us as gold. You know what that tells me? It accompanies Romans 8, verse 28 and 29. And we know there are a lot of things in this life we do not know. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And then verse 29 gives us this promise. People want to take this word predestination and either define it wrongly or they want to, ah, I don't like that word. It's a Bible word. For whom he did foreknow, verse 29, he also did predestinate. He before time, when you got saved, he knew he was going to do this because you're saved. Predestinate us, it says, to be conformed to the image of his son. One day we will have that image. The Bible says in 1 John 3, we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. God is working in our life. He's taking that dross as he refines the gold and he's making us more like his son. That's what he's looking for in your life and in mine. He looks past the Barry Black. I want to see my son. So I need to get a little berry Black out of Barry Black's life. Jesus told the disciples, take up your cross daily and follow me. I need to get a little more berry Black out of Barry Black's life and I want to see some more Jesus. So I'm going to have to heat the fire up a little bit, put your name there. Very same thing for us as believers. In my really formative years as a believer, they're still formative, but in my really impressionable formative years as a believer, early to mid-80s especially, um, there was a an album, a song on an album um, that really, really, is, is is very des- uh, descriptive of this verse. This verse describes a song. I don't know how many of you have heard the name Christine Wurtson? The last I checked, Christine lives in the Athens area. Do you know she still lives there? Christine Wurtson was, um, uh, her husband's name I believe was Don. Uh, no, not Don. Um, anyway, um, yeah, might have been done. Anyway, she was a, she was the daughter in law of Jack Wertz. and Jack Wertz, and If you do not know, there's a lot of people in church history that are important re- re- important that Christians don't never heard their names. But he began a work called Word of Life back in the '40s. Word of Life still has, has camps to this day. Well, Christine sang a lot. Uh, there at the the ministry of Word of Life and then recorded some albums in the 70s and 80s and then uh, still lives in the Athens area today or has moved over the years to Athens area and lives there. One of her songs that was a very impressionable song to me in in my formative years as a believer and still love it is a song that's simply entitled The Fire. And the words go like this, I've been through a fire that has deepened my desire to know the living God more and more. It hasn't been much fun, but the work that he has done in my life has been worth the hurt. Then the course goes, you see, sometimes we need the hard times to bring us to our knees. Otherwise, we would do as we please and never heed him. For he always knows what's best, and it's when we are distressed that we really come to know God as he is. If you could put commentary of Job's life in one song, it would be that song. And sometimes in our life. So there's fourth of all, there's the blessing of lessons learned. He's going to give us a new start. And when we do, it's good to think and realize the blessings of the lessons that he taught us when we go through the fire. Look at a few verses, Old and New Testament. Leave with me, if you will. Um, actually, look at, um, look at Job 23, if you're still right there. Close by there, 23, we were at verse 10. Look at verse uh, 12, right below it. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. When Job said that, there wasn't a book of the Bible written. What did he have? He had the words that God spoke to him personally. What do we have? We have 66 books in one book. And we should esteem his words more than our necessary meat, our necessary food. Just as food is important for the physical life, God's word is for the spiritual life. So with that in mind, I want to look at three things to make this practical and getting perspective for our problems. Go over to Isaiah, if you will, chapter 55. Isaiah 55. This goes with the uh, verses we just saw, the verse we just saw in Job about esteeming the words of his mouth more than our necessary food. Number one, and getting perspective for our problems, we need God's thoughts on them. Isaiah 55, look at verse number 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, if that if that didn't continue in the next two verses, it would be a little depressing. Because, yeah, Lord, I realize that. You're bigger than me, and... You know more than I know, and your words are far beyond my wisdom. It says, My thoughts and ways are higher than yours, and and, uh, you are higher than mine, Lord, and I know they are. But look what he says in verse 10 and 11. This is how we know his thoughts. So the first thing is we need God's thoughts when we're going through our problems. Verse 10 and 11 For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So those ways of God that are higher and his thoughts that are higher, they're found in his word. That's why our natural thinking a lot of times is going to end in fear, doubt, or can I make it through this, or... This is too much for me. But he gives us his promises because he knows his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than ours. We need his thoughts. Go with me, um, back up a little bit to Proverbs, and we're going to make our way to the New Testament for the last two Proverbs. Look at chapter 23 and verse number 7. First of all, we need God's thoughts, and we'll find those in his word. It takes time sometimes. Proverbs 23, verse 7. This is the second thing. Because of that, we must control our thoughts. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So that little phrase there is, even though it's part of a, a whole verse, that little phrase there is definitive about how our thoughts, they not only come from our mind, they come from our heart. And so we must control those. When we're going through, remember I said in the very first point that sometimes it's um, it's what we're go- what's going inside us more than what's happening outside of us. And a lot of that has to do with our thinking. Uh, Look at two verses right together, and we'll close with these. We must control our thoughts. Look at Philippians 4. Paul, in the New Testament, tells us, you know what? We have this wonderful, wonderful, if you want to use the word, weapon that we can use to help us as believers to control our thinking. Philippians 4, look at verse 6 and verse 7. Be careful for nothing. Careful is an old English word, and I love that word. It's a beautiful word. We use it a little different nowadays, but a lot of English words have more than one meaning, even though they're spelled the same. It means to be full of care, to to have worries, to let our mind be full of care, our heart be full of care. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So bring it before him in prayer. Tell him in prayer, and look what the promise he gives in verse seven, and the peace of God, because of that, because of bringing these things before His throne of grace, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Proverbs said to guard, uh, said that our, excuse me, as we think in our hearts, or we. And so here he says that prayer will be the blessing of it. Well, he will keep our hearts and minds. He'll protect our thoughts. It doesn't mean we're not going to have negative thoughts. It doesn't mean that there won't be times of doubt that come through our mind. But the more we take them in prayer, we have a weapon there. And then the third thing, we need God's thoughts. We must control our thoughts. Number three, we can replace our thoughts. Look at verse 8, same chapter, Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are... I love Paul. He says finally, and then look what he has. He has t- f- 10, 12 more chap- uh, verses to go in a chapter. Just like a preacher. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, if we're thinking on these things instead of negative things, <laughs> we are not have time to think negative things, right? All those things to think on that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, if they have virtue and they have praise to them, think on those. That will replace a lot of that negative thinking that gets us uh, in a place of of depression or discouragement or or, or even to a point of not believing God when we go through our problems. Our problems, as we saw from the first message, they do make sense. It may take time to find that out, but we can put them in perspective when we begin to look at them God's way. Uh, He says, my ways, my thoughts. We have God's thoughts that he wants us to have, and he put them in his word. Let's pray. Thank you, Father that for the believer in Jesus Christ, our problems certainly make sense. Our problems that we endure, some of them, as we've talked about in the very first message, not to go through everything again, but some of them are of our own making sometimes. Some of them are things that happen to us. Some of them are things that are unforeseen that that happen because we live in a fallen world. But Lord, we know that the God who saved us loves us and has a purpose for whatever we go through. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we can trust you, we can look at and, and find your thoughts, and, and find uh, what you say about a matter, and to be able to, because of that, stand on your promises, to be able to know and trust in what you've said. Thank you, Lord, so much for being with us through whatever problem we face. Lord, I pray today for the person that doesn't know Christ as Savior. Whatever problems they're going through, Lord, I believe that ultimately, through that problem, you're using that for them to realize, hey, I need something, somebody bigger than me, The only one bigger than me is God. And Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. So Lord, there are many people throughout life that probably at some point, because of a problem, they've realized they're helpless and they need help. And if they followed and then hopefully heard your word, they went to Calvary and saw the cross and the Savior there and realized that even though salvation doesn't solve all our problems here, it solves our eternal problem. And where will we spend eternity? And thank you, Lord, for salvation through your son. He died on the cross. He shed his precious blood that we, our sins could be not just forgiven, but be covered and cleansed and washed away as we sang about in our first, our first song this morning. Thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that you'll help us to see our problems from your perspective and to gain your wisdom in whatever we face, Lord, and to trust you because they're going to come our way. Some are going through some maybe some very difficult problems even now. They're going to come our way. And I thank you that you're with us through them, and you'll be with us as we get and come out on the, on the victory side of it. Thank you for salvation through your son. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. All right, let's stand and close with a verse or course. If you'll come lead us, if you will, buddy. Uh, and we'll close with that. Let's stand and close, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, Wednesday or next Sunday then. I hope you have a great week.